0: A lot of people that have OCD because you were episode number 32, and I made sure you were episode number 32 because that's my lucky number. And I was so excited to have you on the podcast. You come back on for a second time, and it's actually episode 129. So <laughs> I've kind of messed up by about three there, but 129. 129. Yeah, look, there's there's nothing ah. else going on this year for me. I get to talk to Man. photographers all year. That side of it's been fantastic.
1: Yeah, that's uh that's awesome. You congrats to you. That's you put in the work for sure.
0: Yeah, it's it's been, a, it's as much as uh, the podcast and the editing is the hard part, also there's constantly messaging people, having these conversations, trying to remember where I'm supposed to be at a time when I feel like I have no schedule is kind of crazy. Yeah, man. What I want to kind of do with this episode is, let's talk about kind of the state that film's in, where film goes from here, what the potential pitfalls are. Um, so let's start off with a bit of a state of the union. You are one of the uh, more recognizable names on YouTube and Instagram and so on when it comes to film photography. How do you feel the state of film is at the moment when it comes to photography?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is actually, it's interesting you ask that because it's something that I've been talking about a little bit recently. Uh, Just based on kind of like comments I get on my YouTube channel um, here and there from people. Just about uh, like some people complaining about, you know, the boom in film photography and all this kind of stuff. Um, I mean, all I can, I can just look at things based on how they are on the internet, essentially, because that's kind of the exposure that I have right now. But, you know, it's, it certainly seems like it's still trending upwards, which I think is amazing. Um, You know, prices for, for gear have, haven't been going down. You know, I, I don't keep an eye on them enough to really, you know, judge how much they're going up. But basically, I I think a lot more people are getting involved. You know, prices are getting more expensive. Kodak just increased their prices, you know, for their film stock recently, which everyone probably knows about. But I I, like, I look at that. I mean, I don't want to say a good thing because it sucks because we have to pay more for film and it's already a pretty expensive process as is. But, you know, I don't think Kodak is doing that to make more money off of us. I think that Mm -hmm. to me signals that, um, you know, they're probably trying to expand things to keep up with this new demand. Like you got to think about, you know, this surge in film photography over probably really the last three years, probably it was so unexpected for so many manufacturers at a time when a lot of them were, were likely downsizing and downgrading, um, you know, their equipment and their capabilities and stuff. Obviously this is just all assumptions on my part, but then all of a sudden, you know, you have this, this boom that probably was unexpected. And some of them I think are trying to play catch up now. So yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's hard to know like where it'll go. Obviously, that's a really tough thing to predict how much more popular it'll get. I mean, it'll have to, you know, uh, kind of plateau at some point. But uh, it seems like pe- people are really interested to get into it, which, uh, which I think is awesome.
0: There's a couple of really interesting factors that are involved. I think a word that comes up constantly whenever I see YouTube videos about film photography, um, when I see people comment on posts of film shots, and obviously with the rise of the digital film borders where people are shooting black and white portrait, uh, people like Kendall Jenner, <laughs> the, the word that comes up quite a lot is hipsters and uh, the idea yeah. that, that it's kind of, um, it's a cool thing to shoot film. It's a cool thing yeah. to be associated with and that it's become a bit of a, a fashion symbol more than, more than anything else. Overall, with that, with that kind of motivation for some people adopting film in one way or another, Is that necessarily a bad thing, even if they're not in it for perhaps what a lot of people would see as being the right motivation? Does that not help further the cause, even if it's not exactly the way people would want? I think people should just do whatever makes them happy.
1: You know, if that's for a week or if that's for 15 years. And I think, uh, you know, the people who for some reason feel the need to label other people and make fun of them, you know, call them hipsters and all this kind of stuff. (laughs) Like it's just, it just kind of, confuses the hell out of me. Cause I'm like, it's such a waste of time. So I think anyone getting involved, you know, for whatever reasons they're getting involved in film, like great, you know, like why should it, why should it matter? But you know, with that being said, as someone asked me not that long ago, if I thought uh, you know, that this whole film photography boom was a fad and I, I really don't think it is. And, and, you know, sure there, maybe there's some people getting um, into it because it's trendy or, or something like that. But, you know, I really think a fad is something that dies out pretty quickly, right? Like it's here for a limited period of time, maybe because for whatever reasons it's popular and then people lose interest in it quickly. But, you know, obviously with this resurgence of film and this boom in the industry, like people are either switching to film or, or starting to shoot film and sticking with it. And, you know, getting not only sticking with it, but getting more uh, kind of obsessed with it and adopting it into their practice. So, you know, it's so hard to really, um, you know, label things on like a grand scale because we don't know like every single person's intentions and interests. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't think I would never... Say someone getting interested in this for like for any different reason is a bad thing. If that's, you know, they've shot photography for 10 years digital and they want to make the switch to film, if for some reason they saw X or YZ person who's popular, you know, shooting film and they wanted to try it. But uh, yeah, I think, like I said, it, it all comes down to just doing the things that, you know, you enjoy and that make you happy.
0: Well, in terms of investment, if it is like a passing fad, when you consider the costs compared to digital, you know, the, the, on, the sort of upkeep costs are much higher and the uh, the, the hunt for information is a lot harder because it's not being readily advertised towards you in the same way that digital photography is. Plus the time it takes to physically do it, you know, the extra time it takes to shoot, to learn, if you're doing your own developing and so on, waiting for your scans, however you're going about it. It's, it's a bit of an odd fad for it to last, you know, upwards of three years and be more in, in certainly in some ways more expensive than digital and to still be going strong and probably still growing at quite a rapid rate. That doesn't give me the indication that this is a fad. It's more of potentially a turn. And one thing I definitely think, and as much as I'm getting sick of the word pandemic, that the, the state of the world this year with people having a lot more time to themselves, people being able to focus on, oh, I've never tried this, I've never done that and so on. Me being one of these people, I picked up chemicals to develop film for the first time. I actually took film seriously for the first time this summer. And I think there's a lot of people like me that have taken that step. And a year like this, as much as it's been bad for so many things, I can't imagine it's been that bad for the film community.
1: Yeah, no, I I think you're exactly right. You know, it's been a super tough year and it's been a weird one, right? Like with people in situations that they've you know, haven't, haven't really ever experienced before. And a lot of people having a lot more time on their hands. And I think, you know, for a lot of us, that was like turning to, you know, trying to be as productive as we could not just like, you know, f- trying to push ourselves or challenge ourselves and, and grow and stuff like that within kind of the, the limitations that we had. So like you said, you know, having all this time at home, it's a, it's an opportunity to go and, uh, you know, learn how to develop or learn how to scan or whatever it whatever it is. But, you know, t- touching on your first point there, I, like I agree with you, F- uh, film photography is, can, it's a pretty big investment from like a financial standpoint and also just, a, a, you know, learning, right? Like you can go buy a digital camera, not to say you could, it's easy and you'd master it, but like from like a using it, like a usage standpoint, you, you go out and you can shoot and see your image right away with film. It's like this complete new mystery. And I even know for me, when I made the switch, Three, four years ago, like I had been working as a photographer and a filmmaker for a long time. And I actually went to school for motion picture film and I had a lot of experience and it was like a little bit of a reset. You know, there was like things that carried over for sure, but there were also like a whole bunch of new things that I had to learn, even with, you know, the experience that I'd had over the years. So I think it's a new challenge for people as well, which is can always be a good thing.
0: I don't want to kind of create too much of a buzz around yourself here and make. Uh, you feel like there's too much pressure on you when I ask this question. But, you know, if you were to diagnose things from kind of, if you were to stand back and diagnose the film situation that we're in right now, where do you think the next thing could be done to promote sort of more exponential growth? Because I, I was talking with Bray Hunziker a while back, and I said that something that I've noticed from doing all these podcasts, talking to so many photographers is that the, the feeling has been for a while that the way film will die is that film will, will not be produced anymore. You won't be able to get you know, your favourite roll of film. They'll take it out of manufacturing. And for a while, that did seem to be a pretty serious um, situation with uh, different film stocks being discontinued. And although some have been brought back, that was obviously a concerning time for, for people that like to shoot film. I actually feel like with the growth and the popularity the lack of manufacturing of new cameras is actually a bigger threat because the older cameras are becoming more expensive. Uh, people are starting to hoard them a bit more. You know, there are, there are ones that people don't even know they've got that are away in lofts and whatnot. There's only going to be so many of them because they're not being constantly produced. And the repairs aren't as easy as they used to be, and they're certainly not cheap. So, you know, where, where do you see the next thing that needs to sort of, the next domino that needs to fall to help film grow?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's that's really hard to say. You know, just touching on the like from an equipment standpoint. Well, let's talk about film first. So I like you said, I think um, I really do think that manufacturers are now starting to expand to to match the kind of increased demand for products. So I don't think, you know, if there's a demand for a product, a company is gonna create it. So I think on the film front, sure, you know, we aren't gonna have as many stocks as before, but things have been trending upwards recently, which I think is a good thing. Uh, when it comes to equipment, that is a really tough one to predict because we don't really know how popular film going to get. But I also, I also think that a, there's more people starting to learn, you know, how to repair these cameras, um, like across the world. So that's a good thing. More options. I I, like, again, I think it all comes back to this. Like we we went through this weird period where like digital was introduced, film started to die out. Everyone thought film was going, people made changes now films coming back. So I think, you know, things are still going to look quite a bit different, say three years from now, but uh, also on the gear front, I think one of the things that is common with a lot of people is, you know, you get interested in film and you know, the gear is like interesting, and exciting and cool. And there's all these different options and these old cameras and kind of quirky things. And you want to try this one and that one. And before you know it, you have like 10 different cameras. (laughs) But that being said, at least in my experience, for me now, um, I still... Yes, I still buy cameras to test them out for my YouTube channel and then I sell them. Like, I just want one camera. I just want the camera that I use So I can go and make the work, you know, and for me, I'm just focused on my portfolio work moving forward. And if I have three or four or five different cameras, it just complicates things. So I I think, that's something that, you know, as you, you maybe get and I can't speak for everyone, but I think as you get interested in this medium more and you kind of get, you know, those first six months out of your system where you've sampled, you know, 15 different cameras or whatever it is, I think then you might just start to settle into one or two. And, you know, that obviously would help things as well if not everyone owned five or six or seven different cameras. But I think we're gonna <laughs> just have to wait and see how um like how popular this really,
0: you know, does get. Yeah. And it's gonna be interesting to see. You know, it almost feels like we're at a bit of an interesting, an interesting stage right now because coming out of what this year has been, and obviously moving into a new decade, the technology for digital cameras does seem to be, to an extent, plateauing. Like you know, we mm-hmm. had we had the megapixel race, and uh, you know, I think people that kind of knew what they were looking at realized how much of a smoke and mirror situation that was. Uh, I shoot Sony, sadly, so I know how unimportant I am to the camera's progress because. <laughs> that camera can basically just be set on a tripod and do everything itself. And I feel like we're getting to a point where we're not making digital cameras any, any better. We're just making them more idiot-proof. And where, where do you go from there with that? And how, how does that affect people's want to do something that's more tactile, more difficult, and more challenging?
1: Yeah. You know what? Honestly, I have never been more like right now we're at a time where we have the most capable, most affordable gear that we have ever had in our lives from a digital standpoint. Yet for me, you know, and I've been doing this for about 12, 13 years, I have never been more kind of exhausted and bored by it personally. And this is like, you know, I'm not like a techie, like I value the work, but like, I'm like, I'm still a camera guy, right? Like I, you know, I read the rumor mills and when a new camera gets launched, I read about it. But I have found, especially this past year... That, you know, there's been so much focus on there's so much focus placed on the technical and the capabilities of these new cameras where people are splitting hairs and focus is being pulled away from all of the other things that are important with a photo or with a film that are going to have a bigger impact on if it's good or not versus if, you know, the last inch of the corner of your picture is sharp enough because you have the world's best lens or what, like, do you know what I mean? Like I, especially on the filmmaking side, you know, like cameras are getting uh, like really high resolution, crazy high frame rates, good codecs, tons of dynamic range. There's so much talk and comparisons and people picking things apart, but it's like, you know, the editing still matters. The story still matters. The pacing matters. Uh, who color grades it matters, the music you pick matters, like all of these other things that are going to make or break the film versus if you have half a stop, more dynamic range in the highlights versus camera B. So it's like, it's starting to really exhaust me because I feel like all of this chatter is and then the lack of chatter about like the, the process is, is, going to make things worse. So it's like the gear's getting better but I feel like <laughs> the content might not be be keeping up at the same time because
0: well the more you rely on the crutches that you've got the less you know of a of a good runner you're going to become and I feel like that might be part of it where people are so reliant on the gear being not only something that qualifies uh, what they're doing so you know when it comes to like face detect and things like that you don't ever really have to think about focusing and if you're not thinking about focusing you might not be thinking about composition as much because you, as humans tend to do, we find a way to switch off and think about other things. But also just the entire idea that when you can't be competitive, like I can't be competitive with you over, oh, well, you took this photo. Well, I think my photo of this thing is better. And there's some way of qualifying that in a competition, which some people do try and do, but it's obviously a completely, it's, it's a soulless endeavor where people kind of filter out that energy is into the gear or into you know, the latest technology being something that makes the old stuff completely obsolete. And it's kind of, it feels like sometimes brands don't have to do their own advertising because there's enough people in comment sections doing it for them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, gear is important and like, you know, the better the gear gets, the more possibilities we have. Like it's, don't get me wrong. It's not a bad thing. It is exciting. I just think that the amount of chatter and focus placed on it is just making people forget about all of the other important things as well. And like, so for example, I edited a video, um, on my YouTube channel. I shot it back in 2017. Um, it was like a little film that I made. Um, and then I never did anything with, um, it was like a travel film and I didn't really know what it was going to be for. I shot it on like a Sony a seven R two, which is not really a great camera for video. Um, I shot a bunch in like the HD setting, which just looked terrible. Um, it's like 8-bit codec, whatever, whatever. Anyways, I edited the film and like, I'm like, it, it's fine. Like it works fine. The footage is fine. There's all these other elements that matter as well that are, that are going to make this a good piece. So I really think that like, you know, the the new gear is great and it it is giving us more possibilities. But like you could still go and use a camera, like a digital camera for, from five years ago. Um, like I don't, I don't know production days, but something like a, you know, like a Nikon D800 is still like a really good camera and yeah. it's not going to limit you. Like people make great work five, six, seven years ago with the tools available then like you can still like, you can still make, you know, stuff that's amazing, even if you don't have the best tech yet. So I don't think I'm not saying you should avoid the best tech. I, I guess the point I'm trying to get across is like it matters, but there's also a huge, like a huge amount of other things that matter as much, if not more, that, you know, hopefully don't get lost.
0: And one of the questions I feel like photographers and people in any creative industry, or even if it's just a hobby, um, could do well to ask themselves more often, rather than asking about like how someone's doing something or what settings are doing on is is to kind of ask why? Why was the photo taken in the first place? Why was it composed in the way it was? You know, I feel like so much is focused on Something that I see a lot with natural light portraits, and this is a question I, I used to get quite a lot, was like, "What settings was this taken on?" It's like, "Well, where are you on the, uh, you know, in relation to the equator?" Because that's going to play quite a big part in in how that affects you. And I don't know how we're going to meet for your different day in a different part of the world, shooting a different subject in a different direction. You know, the settings don't really factor in in the same way. What camera did you use doesn't really factor in the same way, like you just said. Probably going back six or seven years, even there's not really that much of a difference in terms of the image quality that you're going to get out of them. It's more the usage than anything. I feel like photographers should be asking themselves, you know, why they're making the decisions that they're making. And then they'll probably find themselves being more conscious about their motivation and and their, their choices. And that will actually improve their photography more than just learning what someone else used for a photo that they like.
1: Yeah, no, I agree, man. I also think that like, personally, and this is kind of the, what I've started to focus on in terms of like the message that I'm trying to um, talk about and spread and stuff. But like, I think the thing that is going to hold most well is going to, or does hold most artists back. And, you know, speaking from experience, I think we all can, it has nothing to do with the gear or abilities or anything like that. It comes down to like, like what's in between your ears, like mindset focus, you know, they're like, and I think this comes across on the online world uh at times, you know, just with like people arguing, complaining, critiquing, criticizing, shit talking other people, all that kind of stuff. Like, I think it's like our insecurities and our doubts and our ego and our envy and our jealousy and all that kind of stuff. I know we're going way off from the technical side of things, but I think that is, that stuff's going to hold you back so much more than upgrading your two-year-old camera you know, because it's going to cause you not to like act, not to create the, you know, the work that, uh, is probably like, your most honest work that maybe you're too like too afraid to put out if you know it or not. Right. Or just even support other artists or not criticize other people, all these other things. It's on a, it's like, we you know flipped the script completely here, but the more I get down this path and the less I start to kind of worry about gear, even though I still place focus on it. Um, that is what I find, uh, you know, is probably most limiting to, to any artist, you know, if they're doing this just as a hobby or if they want to do it as a business as well.
0: Well, something that I would love to ask you about, and this goes a little bit more sort of person to person rather than for the audience, but obviously I'm sure many people can take something from it. Um, having started to shoot film this year more seriously and having picked up my first ever medium format camera, now it's only a 645, which I was reliably informed by a few people, doesn't count as medium <laughs> format, so that was positive, um, But one of the things I'm struggling with, because I, so when I photograph, I mostly photograph people. That's, that's where Mm -hmm. my, my interest lies. And obviously that's not entirely where yours lies for the most part that people, I guess, see on your YouTube and so on. Although I know that you, Mm -hmm. you have done it. One of the hardest parts I find is that with digital, I use photos to work my way through a sort of a, a posing cycle or an expression cycle. And you can use one image to play off the next one to get you to the one image that you want. With film, that's an incredibly expensive endeavor, and I'm just kind of curious to know when it comes to obviously the the added cost per shot. How do you go about prioritizing shots when you're shooting film? Are you, you know, are you super planned out up front? Are you super aware of exactly what it is that you're looking for? And like, I mean, I don't know how this works outside of photographing people. But do you mood board? Do you have a rough idea of the direction that you want to go in when you're going out with a roll of film to shoot something?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a good question. I mean, there's obviously differences with the type of work that I do for sure. I, you know, just hearing you talk about like working off of expressions and stuff like that, I could see how that would be more of a challenge. But for me, like with the work that I'm doing, like the, you know, the landscape kind of environment documentary, whatever you want to call it. um, I have found that my output has really started to decrease over the years. And it's like, I don't like with, your question about mood boards or, you know, pre-planning stuff like that. I really leave things open and, you know, I'll, I'll choose like an area I want to go to and maybe I'll, you know, look at some other photographs for inspiration and stuff like that. But so much of my work is just based off of intuition. And it always seems like the weakest answer to give because it's really not that helpful, but you know, you know, I've re- I've just relied on that for so many years. When I go to a place, whatever I end up shooting is something that just attracts me. And usually the things that I get really excited about turn out being the images that I like the most. So, you know, that has kind of led to me, especially nowadays, not shooting that much. You know, so I'll go to some areas sometimes and they just won't be working. And I'll, you know, I'll bring my camera and I'll maybe shoot like two or three images. Um, so for instance, I have a role of, um, film loaded up in my Pentax Six Seven. It's been in there for like two weeks, just because I mean I've been busy. I've gone uh, uh, the last place I went and shot. You know, nothing was really clicking. So, you know, if I go out for the day and I shoot a roll or maybe two rolls of of film on Six Seven, which is twenty images, like that's a pretty big day for me. Um, so from that standpoint, you know, I don't ever really worry too much about um, about output and costs and stuff like that because I'm not really shooting that much and you know, I don't force myself to make things. Like if I go out and something's not working, then I just don't photograph anything and I'm totally okay with that. Um, Which I think is something that at times can be difficult to do, especially if, you know, nowadays where there's like this pressure at times to feel like you have to make work. So you have something to kind of, you know, put out into the world ASAP.
0: Yeah, that's a a mentality that I think I'm just becoming kind of old and cranky about. I don't... I've had a few people say to me like, I've got to get, you know, this done today. I've got to go and see... One, maybe not go and see family anymore, but I've got to to go and get the shopping sorted. I've got to get stuff ready for Christmas and I've got to work out what I'm posting for Instagram today. And it's like, really? It's like (laughs) it becomes like a part of your chores that you've got to work out which image is going to go up. You mentioned intuition there and that's something that has to be developed. And obviously I can't get you to like lift out your intuition and just share it with the world. But I think that that comes quite a lot of that comes from what you use, what you absorb, how you top that up in terms of influence. Like I'm someone that when I'm feeling really sort of drained creatively, I watch a few of my favorite films in terms of like cinematography and and styling and so on. And that, that kind of makes me want to go out and shoot again. It kind of builds up and I, I start focusing on compositional things that are going on in the film, narrative things that are going on in the film. How do you top up your intuition? How do you top up your inspiration?
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, I think similar to what you just said, like for me, photo books are huge. Um, You know, that will often, I think what, I think what like looking at photo books and looking at other artists work does for me is not only gives me ideas, but I find a lot of the times it maybe just gives me confidence in my own ideas. So something, you know, maybe uh, like a, a, a decision that I was Second guessing, you know, if that's composition or subject matter or something like that. And then let's say I'm I'm kind of thumbing through like a photo book from one of my favorite artists, and I see a similar image using those elements in their book. It's almost like it, you know, it kind of gives me confidence to go and do that, do that myself. So there's definitely that. I think looking at people's work and just it's sparking, you know, ideas or little elements and stuff like that is important as well. But I think, a, personally, I think a big thing with intuition because I, I think back to like when I first started photography, and what I loved doing was just I would go out to like, I didn't even know what I liked shooting. So, uh, back when I lived in Canada, when I first started out, I, I grew up in a, a kind of a bigger city. I would just go to like random areas. I'd go, go to like the local, uh, big kind of, um, church that was there. Not because I had any interest in churches, but just it was like a place that was open and I'd go and shoot and I'd shoot like pictures of the stairs and the railings and like just random stuff. But I think as we progress in our careers and we start to kind of build up like an identity or a style, we start to lose some of that like curiosity and willingness to experiment because, you know, now we we have this pressure where it's like we got to create something we're happy with. We got to create something to like post up online. And I think having those expectations actually starts to kill your intuition a little bit because you're afraid to just experiment and practice. You're so focused on everything being perfect. So I think part of intuition is just like letting go, going out and just like, if you see something you want to photograph, photograph it. Cause I think, like I said, as you get further along in your career, you might, you know, your intuition might guide you to something for some reason, but then you might kind of start analyzing it too much and think, you know, is that any good? How's it going to appeal to people? Is the light right? All these things like questions that aren't bad, But at the same time, it's like, I think you just need to be okay with shooting some images that just might not be good or shooting a lot of images that might not be good (laughs) because you pull little things from those, right? Like you might go and shoot two rolls of film and all 20 images might suck. But from one of those images out of those 20, you might find like a little element that you might enjoy that might spark something for a direction moving forward when you go back and out and shoot. So, yeah, I think letting go as well is just huge. Like not getting in your head too much when you're out shooting and questioning every image you're going to make. Um, at least I've I found that that's something I need to remind myself quite often.
0: I've had a conversation with a couple of people recently who, in the U.S. in particular, have taken this year's difficulties as an opportunity. To travel the country to basically buy like a, a a camper van or a caravan or or whatever the Americanism is for that um an rV I guess, and travel across America and photograph it and uh, you know in England we'd call that a divorce if you ended up living in your van, but in America obviously it's a, a lot bigger place and it's a lot nicer to travel around. I was thinking about your trip because I first found you through the videos about your trip across um, America. And mm-hmm. I was wondering how how that would have been affected or, you know, in terms of the photography or the logistics, how that would have been different if you'd have done that this year as opposed to when you actually did do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can't even... It wouldn't have been a thing, that's for sure. Just because, you know, living in Canada, they've had their border, uh, border closed with the US um, I think almost all year now, ever since the pandemic happened. So it definitely would have been a thing, and yeah, it's it's hard to say, right? Like, obviously, that when we did that, it was something we planned for, we saved up for, we made sure we could, you know, afford the trip, and then also uh, have some have some funds to kind of transition out of it afterwards. So, you know, that the the difficulties of this year, obviously, you know, just speaking from my experience, but I'm sure for a lot of people as well, has just been the uncertainty, right? So, like a loss of work, a loss of income for some people, and then just like things are changing. I mean, like you know for us here in the UK, things just changed this morning again, essentially. So it's like, it's really, I'm finding it really, really hard to make plans for everything. And like, you know, touching on that last answer, a a huge part of this year for me has just been like letting go and like doing what I can and rolling with, uh, rolling with what comes along. So yeah, I mean, uh, even, you know, I think back to the start of this year, I was in the States, you know, before I moved over here to the UK and I was still in Canada, you know, in February, I did like a Ten day road trip. It was kind of like my last trip to go and finish the body of work that I, I'd been uh, working on in the Southwest. And uh, it's we it's even just like weird to think back to that time. That right now that you know I spent ten days on the road. Um, it just seems like such a foreign thing with how everything's gone. So yeah, I think um, yeah, this year has just been it's been tough to move around. You know, I've been back and forth from the UK to Canada as I made the move here, but it's been so so limited you know with quarantines and and all that kind of stuff uh so uh, you know I, we talked a little bit before we started rolling but just I, I think it's important for people this year to like do what they can pick up new challenges and stuff like that but then also just like accept what the hell's going on and be okay with <laughs> the fact that right. like there's a lot of things that probably didn't go as planned i know there were there's a ton my my year has changed so much. The only thing that didn't change was that I moved to the UK. Essentially, everything else has changed. So it is what it is, right?
0: I mean, if I was going from somewhere like Canada to come and live in a very small country that has constantly terrible weather and not particularly fantastic food, <laughs> I would maybe I would maybe take travel bans as a potential sign from the universe. But that's that's me. <laughs> I I I'm not a fan of England. You're much happier here apparently than I am. So. Congratulations on that. We're very happy to have you either way. Let's just talk about you for a second. I always find sort of people's motivation quite interesting um, and where they see themselves moving forwards. And, you know, for you, in particular with photography, because obviously I know you have the podcast, you have your videography and so on. um, But with your actual photography, what's the next step for you? What's the next um, movement forward that you want to make?
1: Yeah, so I'm at this interesting kind of point right now. Like I said to you, you know, just transitioning out of the video production world, which was my commercial uh, and like basically my, my business for a long time, it's how I made my living and photography was always kind of a side thing, even though the two are, you know, kind of closely related. But now this year I've made the switch to uh, my photography, you know, my online work, YouTube, uh, and that kind of stuff. Um, so it's been a really interesting balance because obviously, you know, my photography isn't just making videos for YouTube and testing cameras. You know, I don't really consider that it's part of my, uh, photography or part of my like career as an artist and a creator but it's not like my work like I still I'm a photographer first and foremost I have a love and a passion for this I have work I want to create a direction I want to go so it's been you know just a learning how to juggle and balance that because I'm also doing you know making images a lot for all the other stuff I do so uh, r- like right now the most immediate thing I'm working on is publishing a book of my uh, my Uh, an American mile project, which was the stuff in the States. So I'm working on that right now, hoping to have that out early next year. And then I really want to uh, have some projects and ideas for stuff here in the UK, you know, with it being like like a completely new country. Um, I've been looking at just like areas I want to visit and potential stories and subjects and stuff like that. So I really want to start creating some like personal kind of personal work over here, you know, that, that I feel pretty strongly about. So it's all about, I guess, doing that, which again, has been pushed back because of what's been going on. Right. Um, So, you know, it might take a while to start getting into some of that work, but just balancing that with, um, you know, this, this online work that I'm doing and trying to make the two mesh as best as possible. And, and a really important thing for like the YouTube stuff and the podcast is like making sure I'm like sticking to putting out like the content that I feel most, uh, I don't want to say passionate about, but like that I feel like is, has the, the purpose that's kind of like most in line with, uh, with what I think is important. So, uh, that's been a shift for me as well this year, you know, you, I I find whenever you jump into like a platform, say like YouTube or a podcast, it takes you a while to like discover what you're like, I guess your voices or what the message is that you want to focus on, right? It's easy to get on there at first and just kind of cover everything. So that's been a bit of a shift this year as well. So I would say that like everything on the photography side is just like fluid and in motion. And it's a matter of just like rolling with it and learning how to balance it and just making sure that, you know, the work I'm doing both creative and, and um, online stuff is stuff that just feels, feels right.
0: Well, like I said at the beginning, I've managed to hit 129 episodes with this one and i feel like something that's been a big part of of this year um is people messaging me to say that you know it's in some way been helpful when you know they want to maybe escape their own thoughts or um they want something to listen to while they're doing other things you know while you're standing in the queue for 3 hours to buy some toilet roll or whatever and <laughs> i think podcasts have become a really important part of what this year has become in a sense because it allows you to kind of be entertained be informed and whatever at the same time as actually getting other stuff done, being able to do stuff around the house or go for walks or whatever. So um, I, if it's all right, I would actually just like to take a moment to just like seriously plug your podcast. And if you could just talk a little bit about some of the episodes that you've had, you know, the name of it, where people can find it, because I'd like people to find as much stuff as possible, especially for the next couple of months to keep themselves entertained and informed.
1: Yeah. yeah well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so the podcast that I... I think I started it pretty... Uh, like soon after we first had our uh, our chat back in April or whatever that was. But it's called uh, The Contact Sheet and you can you can find it just on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, all that kind of stuff. And it's obviously a photography podcast, um, but it focuses more on like the creative journey, I would say, less than the, like there's a little bit of technical chat in there, but, you know, more just uh, in line, I kind of mentioned earlier, just about like mindset and process and all these things that I think are really important. So, um, you know, it started out as, Pretty much uh, completely interview based. So, me interviewing other photographers. Um, but a, a struggle for me with it has been like finding the time, basically finding the time to do it. Cause I was trying to release an episode a week and, you know, the YouTube, I've been doing an episode a week. Uh, and this is all kind of new to me on this schedule. So, uh, I've started to add in solo episodes uh, into that as well, just as like a way to, it's, it's kind of like another platform to get my message and kind of get my voice out there. Um, But I think it's really, I just want to note really quick. I think it's interesting what you said about, you know, having people message you and, uh, you know, just thank you for these interviews and putting this content out and stuff. And, you know, something that I think is super important and it's something that I have certainly come to realize over the last couple of years is that, you know, it's really easy. And I think at times a lot of people get on these platforms, social media, YouTube, and all this kind of stuff and just make it about themselves, right? Which like you think like you start a, instagram page it's your page like of course it's right. going to be about your work but like i think for anyone out there who like wants to try and like add value or even who, whoever wants to try and like grow their following for whatever reasons those are I like i 100 percent believe in focusing on other people and not yourself so that's not to say like don't post your own work and, and that kind of stuff but like just focus on what you can do for other people um i think there's so much more um value in that for other people, but also for yourself. It's way more rewarding than say just like trying to post up your work and see how people react to it. Um and then I also just think it's an amazing way to like engage with people and and like kind of mark your place in a community. Um so yeah, it just made me think of that when you mentioned people messaging you because that's for me, out of like the work I do on YouTube, out of the work I do on my podcast, that for me out of anything is the most rewarding stuff is when, you know, people message me and say that, you know, whatever, you know, the, the podcast episode I did really helped them get out of like a, a, creative, you know, funk or like a bind or whatever it was. Right. Just like, those are the things to me that matters most versus like, you know, earlier in my career where it was like, what's the biggest, coolest thing I can do. So people think I'm successful, You know, what I mean? <laughs> like that stuff to me now does not matter at all. It's more so, uh, this kind of stuff that I think is really important. Well,
0: it's, it's kind of, one of those great moments that I have every so often when I do these where you've basically predicted my next question. So um, it's 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 a wonderful, it's almost like we had a walkthrough. It's great. But in terms of like owing the creative community, I've noticed with things like your blog, your YouTube channel and so on, a lot of it is almost, you know, feeding back in. And I was going to ask you, and I guess we're kind of already in that ballpark, but just how much of that is about, you know, the, I've, one thing I have found with the podcast is that the conversations I've had with people about photography, when they include, you know, when, when it basically starts off with, oh, I listen to your podcast with so-and-so and, and then we talk about something that they've said or the type of work that they do, is that the conversation tends to go deeper a lot quicker. It tends to be a lot richer. I just find it more of a fulfilling experience in that sense, as much as it's great to have people be turned on to new photographers or turned on to new work that they hadn't seen before. You know, how much do you feel like in the position that you are? Obviously, you're a very popular guy. You have fantastic work. You're a well-known name. You, you, do you feel like you owe the creative community in a sense? Or is it just a case of that's your personality because you're Canadian? You're just a lovely person. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I love that stereotype. It never gets old. <laughs> um, honestly, I think it's just my personality. It's kind of weird to talk about, but, um, I think I've just felt it's always really important to try and share some of the experience and the knowledge that you pick up throughout your career, because it can have such a huge impact on people. And it's, you know, I think it's really hard for us to like, we we don't get a firsthand experience of that impact. Uh, on other people, right? The most, you know, we can get is a message from someone. And then we can kind of like make our assumptions off of that or, or, you know, try and imagine that scenario. But like, you know, you could put it, you could say something or write something or, you know, even like reaching out to someone and saying like sharing their work or like saying how much you enjoyed their work. And I, like, I'm not saying to sit there and just like hand out pats on the back to everyone and, you know, do a force yourself to do a bunch of nice stuff. But like, really, like if someone's work moves you or interests you or, you know, something that someone did, like all of these little things you could do could have such a huge impact. Say if someone's, you know, struggling or doubting their work or, you know, feeling unmotivated and stuff, and they get a message from you saying how much you enjoy their work, like that can have, that can be massive. And I think it's really hard for us to fully understand how big of an impact that can have. So that's something that's always on my mind as well. And again, it's something, this isn't, this isn't like, not to say that I haven't always kind of felt this way, but it's something that's become really more apparent to me over the last couple of years. Because, you know, yeah, yeah at the start of my career and for a number of years, it was very ego-driven, right? And not, not on purpose, but I think that's just how a lot of us operate, right? It was like, especially when I was doing some work in the commercial world, it was like, oh, if I did work for X brand, who's a big brand, then people might think that um, I'm like really you know doing well now like i'm i'm a very successful photographer filmmaker whatever it is right but at the end of the day that doesn't really mean anything at all so i you know it's these like acts and these things that we can do for other people to help them grow as an artist or you know just enjoy their craft more um that is like almost become 100% my focus now because it's just uh it's like you know far, it's kind of going in the opposite direction from the from trying to just please your own ego so yeah, I think it's something that's always been there a little bit, but that maybe I'm just starting to pick up on uh, uh, you know, as I get older and get further along in my career. And you know what? I, I just want to note as well, it's weird to talk about it for me because that almost feels ego-driven in a way where I'm like, this is why I do it and this and that. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm hoping I get my point across.
0: What's the most common complaint that I get from people about doing something like an interview is that a lot of people don't really like to talk about well I, maybe not a lot of people but a lot of people that I've asked maybe don't like to do long extended periods of talking about themselves so it's always nice to venture slightly away from them towards you know opinions on stuff as opposed to just talking directly about how you think you're doing or what you are as a person yeah we're closing in on the end I really do I really do appreciate you taking the time and um, to do this obviously you're an incredibly busy person so it's it's really appreciated I have, a, I have a weird question for you and it's going to sound negative, but I don't think it is. But that's just who I am as a person. <laughs> something I've found with everything that I've ever done, I've been a chef, I've been a musician, I've been a photographer, is that sort of the more you know and the more you you become experienced, the longer you've been doing something, the opportunities to really enjoy it as opposed to just be sort of self-analytical diminish quite drastically. You become more focused on or you become I guess you become less enchanted with when something actually goes right because it starts to go right more often. So you start to actually focus more on the negatives and the positives, or at least I do. Do you find yourself enjoying photography less the more you learn and and the more critical you are of your own ability?
1: I would say no. Just because I think for me, um, it's actually it's a really interesting question. But I, you know, if I if I have to look at kind of my journey, I think I've grown as a artist, like as a photographer, yes, over the years, but I've also grown as like, like a human being, and <laughs> my personality, my mindset and stuff. So like, you know, the way I kind of approach the world and think about things is so much different than it was 10 years ago. So I feel like now I'm doing, I'm so much, I'm in a position where I'm way more capable to navigate living a creative life, essentially, where this is my like, you know, I'm consumed in photography a lot. And yes, there absolutely are times where like it gets draining and it gets, you know, um, I just get burnt out. But I think, you know, what's come with, you know, this experience over the years is also learning how to kind of like take care of myself and detach and like, you know, re energize and how to like analyze situations and experiences that I have and, you know, failures and upsets and all these kind of things. So I think. That has really helped as my career has grown. It's helped me to um, enjoy it just as much, if not more, because uh, that stuff's important. Like I think if you don't focus on that um, at all, and you just pour yourself into the technical and the creative and the career, uh, you can very easily reach a point where... It becomes not fun at all, and then you burn out. I mean, and that's speaking from experience. You know, a few a few years back, I got to that point where like I was really questioning um, if this was for me moving forward. So yeah, I think like learning the craft super important. Um, you know, growing as an artist is important, but also like growing as a you know growing like your the personal side of things and how you handle situations and how you navigate life is also super important. Just to be able to balance it all uh, and make sure it all operates as, as smooth as possible.
0: Well, I've made it a personal point over the last few years to ensure that I don't grow as a person so that I can continue to be as, <laughs> as petty and uh, petulant as possible. Again, I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to do this. You, you're very, very, very generous with your time. I want to plug the the podcast again, if possible, and also all of the places that people can go to find your work, including YouTube. So please plug away.
1: Cool. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I appreciate having me back on. Um, best place to find me on Instagram uh, is kyle underscore underscore mcdougall uh and then you can just <laughs> <laughs> yeah little someone apparently there's a kyle mcdougall and a kyle underscore mcdougall out there but uh on youtube you can uh you can just google my name you'll find me and then uh, the the podcast is called uh contact sheet podcast so if you just search that as well you'll find the the webpage and, and
0: find it on apple podcasts and, and all those places thank you so much
1: yeah thanks for having me man